Welcome to the SPS Digital Learning Hour, brought to you by the Digital Learning and Assessment Department. We're coming to you today from a conference room in Central Office, bringing you the latest news in Springfield Public Schools in regards to technology, along with inspiring interviews from teachers who are using technology in the classroom. We'll also inform you of the latest updates, practices, and news as it pertains to our district. Whether you are new to using technology in the classroom or are a seasoned vet, we are here to help. Thanks for joining us today. I am your host, Mike Thomas. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BeardedTechEd or BeardedTechEdGuy, depending on which, of course, platform you use. And we just want to give you some updates and news first before we jump into our interview of the week. We're glad that you are back listening to us. It was a nice break that we were all able to take last week. We hope that you were able to get rested, rejuvenated. I want to encourage you wherever you go out and listen to this podcast to go out there and give it a review. That's one of the ways that iTunes especially works so that people can find it easier every time you give it a review, especially the positive ones. It makes it easier for iTunes to find it and push it up the board so others can find it and hear about all the amazing things that are happening in this district, along with all the great interviews that we get to have with teachers in this district. One of the things, as you know, is we are always kind of locked into our own little silos of wherever we are, whatever building we're in. So it's great to be able to take this opportunity and share with you not just updates and things that are happening, but also to hear real teachers in our district doing amazing things with technology in their classrooms. So I hope that you do give us some reviews. Hopefully they're five stars because you think I'm awesome. If you didn't know, the podcast is available out on iHeartRadio, on Spotify, on Stitcher, on Spreaker, on Google Play Podcasts, on iTunes Podcasts, pretty much anywhere where you can listen to a podcast. We are available. TuneIn Radio is even one. So wherever you do listen to us, I know that there's lots of places. I hope that you go out there and give us a solid review so we can move up the board and make it easier for others to find us. Enough about the advertising part. What are some updates to the district? So in case you missed it, Microsoft PowerPoint has a lot of great tools, including this feature called Design. So what Design does is it helps your students polish their PowerPoint presentations. So if you are doing something where they need to have some sort of presentation, PowerPoint has the ability to make it look even fancy. I know that's one of the things I really like about Sway is that they have that remix button where you can change the way it looks over and over and over again until you get what you like. With the tool in PowerPoint, it allows you to really delve in and design your presentation. And it even gives you help on ways of good design practices. And so that's a really great tool and it could be very useful in your classroom or even you if you are a PowerPoint teacher. In case you missed the latest blog post, it was all about digital portfolios. Now, when I went to college to get my license, I had to create a portfolio. Now, I remember sitting in the class where we talked about this in, I can't remember the name of the class now, but we had to come up with a portfolio. Now, my colleagues, when I was going through school, they had binders, very, very thick binders. Binders weren't really easy to share with others. 
Uh, one of the things that we started to do at our school was use Microsoft Word and create a digital portfolio. And it was an easy way to show off work. And when I was applying for jobs, whether it was in Vermont, Massachusetts, North Carolina, or anywhere else where I really wanted to live, I could email my portfolio out as part of the application process. You know, when you apply for jobs, there's always, if you're doing it online and on the computer, they're always asking for attachments. And so by having a portfolio, I was able to attach it. One of the nice things with the newer portfolio features, they allow you to do audio and video. There's a couple of great ones out there. Ones that I have seen in classrooms in this district of people using is Book Creator Ambassador. That one is pretty easy to use. And Seesaw, which I know many of the elementary grades, including students who are at L's, have been using for a couple of years now. Um, if you're interested in that, message out on Yammer, Miss Cheryl Elias. She will be able to give you some details and help with that. You can also listen to her podcast, which was a previous podcast last year, where she talked about how Seesaw was changing the way that she was doing things in the classroom. So digital portfolios, they're the future, and they're really easy to create and upkeep. In case you missed it, Skype in the classroom, like I had talked about in last week's podcast, or two weeks ago now, and also in the latest blog post, I talked about how Skype in the classroom could be really great. After I had talked about it, after we recorded it, I found out, actually, that the author of How to Train Your Dragon, that would be Cressetia Cowell, I probably pronounced that first name wrong, and if you do listen, Miss Cowell, I am so sorry that I mispronounced your name, but she is doing a live Skype in the classroom with the ability to ask questions afterwards. So it's actually happening twice on March 6th. So that would be a week from this Wednesday, I believe. So somewhere in that range, it will be happening both at 9 a.m. and 1 p.m., followed by the live chat afterwards. So you get to go behind the scenes to learn how the stories come alive in this 30-minute classroom broadcast with the author and illustrator of How to Train Your Dragon series. What they promote out on education.microsoft.com slash dragon, it says that uh, Miss Cowell will inspire students to tap into their boundless imaginations and will show how using character development and details and stories make them more believable and fun. What's great is that you can also get on-demand versions um, afterwards, if you register on the website, so it's important to register for it. There's also activity plans for teachers, letters to parents. There's a Flipgrid challenge. There is a whole lot of great stuff, creative challenge for students. So there's so many great things that, that are available for free that you can do. And this is all on education.microsoft.com dragon. This is a great opportunity to sit and talk with an author of a book many of them have read. And it's a very good possibility that a number of your students at this point have actually gone to the movies to see the newest How to Train Your Dragon. And so it'd be kind of cool to see how this all comes together. And I think your students would be super inspired by it. Speaking of inspired, one of the things that I like to do is I go out and I read a lot of blogs and listen to podcasts and all that. And there's one that I follow a lot to the point where I even signed up for their email, which is Class Tech Tips by Monica Burns. Sorry, 
Dr. Monica Burns. And so on this site, you can, she's got a whole lot of great tools, ed books and courses that she suggests, ed tech workshops, ed tech blog. There's a whole bunch of ed tech free stuff. So that helps you using technology in the classroom. I know for some of my podcasts and blogs, I've had inspiration from stuff that I've read on her site. And so I think it would be great for you to listen or read. So if you go out to classtechtips.com and then you can follow her on social media, she's always posting about all the great things and different ways to use different tools in the classroom. One of the couple of the recent posts, blog posts that she did, reading fluency assessments for elementary students, learn how to create a positive math culture, writing assessment prep and practice from Writable, 15 social study projects from book creator classrooms, and how to curate curriculum resources with Adobe Spark. Now, if you know me, I love Adobe Spark. And so that was one I was super excited to read about because I feel like that's something that we can share together and tools that you can use in the classroom. Speaking of Adobe Spark, if you haven't been following me on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, you may have missed one of my favorite Friday activities, which is my favorite quote Friday. Every Friday I post out using Adobe Spark, actually, which we all have access to. You can even now go to the IT Hub, select Software Center, uh, Adobe CC Desktop app, and that allows you the automatic access to any of the stuff that's free from Adobe including Adobe Spark. I really want to encourage you to not only leverage class tech tips, go out there, follow. if you follow me, I'm always reposting great things or liking or commenting on great things I'm seeing. These are all a lot of great tools that we have available to us at any time. That's it for In Case You Missed It. Coming up next is our interview of the week. Have you ever wanted to know what it's like to be in a robotics class? Do you have students who are not quite ready for high school yet, but you want to help guide them along to when they get to high school? Are you interested in robotics at all? Well, I sat down with Mark Jordan over at Putnam High School, and we sat in his office and we talked all about all things robotics, where he came from, and just the things they're doing in the classroom now. When I was there, I saw students doing some amazing things. I want you to take a listen. Hopefully you will be inspired just like I was. And I was super excited to maybe even start doing my own robotics projects myself. My name is Mark Jordan. We're at Putnam Vocational Technical Academy. Before I was a teacher, I was doing uh, computer chip design for 23 years. I'm a a native Springfield. Went to stick for my associates and moved to New Hampshire and uh, got my bachelor's at U Lowell. Now it's UMass Lowell. And uh, I got into teaching 12 years ago. I started in the math. And then uh, in the last eight years, I'm a vocational robotics and automation teacher. So for the last 12 years, have you taught all at Putnam or was it at other schools? Putnam's my only teaching job. Putnam's your only teaching job. So what made you make the jump from the computer chip stuff that you were doing into teaching? I think for me, the big thing was my wife became a nurse and I saw 
all the value she was adding where for me, you know, doing so many years of engineering, I was looking for something that felt more meaningful. And, and I know a couple teachers and I said, let me, let me give this a, let me give this a try. And I, I'll be honest, the first few years teaching is very difficult as everyone will tell you, the attrition rate's pretty high, but if you can get through that, it's all good. Mm-hmm. It's all good. So in those early years here at Putnam, was this always the building for Putnam? I'm not from Springfield. I'm like no. you, so I don't even know. Like, is because Putnam looks like a new building to me. Yes, so. this building's about five years old. The uh, the old building was really getting decrepit. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, it looked like kind of building you'd see in some of these movies. You know, um, you know, just the graffiti and things falling down. You close the door and plaster would fall down. So, um, it was an old building. Uh, but you make it work, just like with teaching. You you, you work in your area, mm-hmm. but yeah, it was really nice to come to a new building, and, and shiny, mm-hmm. shiny new. So when did you make the jump from mathematics to robotics? When the new building was being designed, I, I got approached um, by the principal and the vocational director, uh, Fred Carrier, and they were saying, "Do you want to be part of it?" And that was so intriguing to me. Um, so I made the jump into vocational at that point, even before the building was built and then i taught two years in the old building because it's to me it's interesting that like you guys switched buildings and that's around the time when you switched from teaching math to robotics did you get to have a lot of say in like the overall design of the robotics department um yeah as far as the equipment we're putting in and yes you know the the structure of it was already designed and where certain things were how how it was laid out was already designed but i had a lot of input on um, along with the other teacher, Mr. Schoonover, on uh, how we, we see the, the shop outfitted and with equipment and, and our curriculum. So that was awesome. That was awesome yeah. to have. That's one thing I could say about Springfield, that, that um, you get the, the flexibility to adapt to, to what you, your teaching style and to what you think you can get through the students to succeed. So, yeah. All right, so let's talk about those early years of teaching and the technology you had access to. Twelve years ago, that would give you access to. We had uh, we would do um, attendance on paper. We'd bubble it in, and then we'd have to send a student down to the main office to run it through one of those scantrons. Um, it was all paper uh, at the time, and we would do grades. They would send us sheets, and we'd fill in the grade. We'd bubble in the grades. So. There was actually zero technology. We had, I think there was one computer cart floating around that worked probably 10% of the time. So teachers were reluctant to even try it to waste a class. So um, back then it actually was zero technology other than my, a, a computer on my right. desk. And some teachers were using GradeKeeper. Um, and I started using that just instead of the book, but they wanted to see the book. So everything was all mm-hmm. hand done. So back then. For like, in class stuff, would you work on a? Um, I don't remember the name of the boxes anymore. With like the boxes with the lights and the markers that you'd write on. Project like. The, oh, overhead projector. Yeah, oh, yeah. overhead projector. Oh yeah, that was like that was yeah. I had all those, the foils, whatever the transparencies, <laughs> and I would write with the overhead. Oh yeah, yeah, that was that was the standard issue for, mm-hmm. for the teachers. You would have your overhead projector going to the wall, no smart boards. No smart boards. Yeah, I remember when I was student teaching, just leaving every day with like an arm color, colorful arm that yes. took forever to wash off. Yeah, same here, same here. 
So when you moved into the new building and you got the robotics shop set up, what were some of the things that you first started using when you were doing robotics? Um, for us, the first thing was getting the laptops up to speed because the, the using the technology is, is paramount for the shop. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're programming robots. By the time they, the students get into 11th grade, we've already gone through six to eight programming languages for different robots, mm-hmm. different, different uh, automation equipment. So um, it was very important to get the laptops and the software on there. And that took a while, you know, procuring it, getting it loaded. Um, but once we got that going, it was that, that was the big hurdle, mm-hmm. you know, and then you have you have two different grades. Right. So it's not just, you know, it's, it's 40 laptops or whatever that you're doing it at a shot. So um, and getting the equipment up and running and getting it, you know, working mm-hmm. so tell me about some of those early years in robotics what were some of like the big successes that you had in the early years i think for me it felt like to actually have a class select the shop okay mm-hmm. so robotics was out of 20 shops number 20 no one wanted it because i i believe i'm the first certified teacher they they got in the shop mm-hmm. you know and it's just it just was never driven properly you know and mm-hmm. what it was called pre-engineering so for me to actually go through exploratory and have a class say, we selected you and we, we want to learn and we want to move forward in this shop and contribute. And that was that was just awesome as a teacher to, to put the effort in and to, and to actually see it flourish. Um, and then seeing those, those students graduate a bunch of years ago and then just seeing the shop grow and just every year um, adding some new equipment, having uh, industry come in, my advisory board, uh, guide us to what we should buy or how we should mm-hmm. teach to help the students to be successful. And it's just having that connection and having the school allow myself to guide that um, as the department chair and without, and just have, say, you know, you have the flexibility to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's awesome. But yeah, having, having that first class, I'll never forget them. Mm-hmm. You know, that was awesome. What are some of the careers or like colleges that the students that you first had, like, what have they, do you know if you've yeah. up with them? Have they gone on to yes. do other things? Um, a few of the students, you know, a lot of, lot of a, a common path, which is the one I took was to go to stick, mm-hmm. um, get your associates and then get into the workforce. Um, some of the students have attempted four year college. Um, we have, you know, it's, it's a difficult path mm-hmm. for Springfield students. Um, and uh, we have a couple students that ended up in the job force. We have one that had a co-op, and um, he's at Lennox Tool. Uh, we have another one that was with a company in uh, Connecticut, uh, Dymotech. And uh, he decided not to take employment there. He worked over the summer. Well, he's at Western New England College, and he's going to go back, and they're going to hire him full-time. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's neat to see that. I mean, a lot of the students, this is, I've been told this because I was discouraged at first saying, you know, if I'm only seeing a handful of students really pursue the career, why are they doing it? But my advisory board, what they said is they notice a difference between vocational students, uh, whether they do the career or not, at least they determined it wasn't for them rather than mm-hmm. go to college and determine after four years, they don't want to be an engineer. Right. So at least that was successful. And two, there's employability. Mm-hmm. So what the Volk shops do compared to the, the academics is half their grades employability, how they mm-hmm. present themselves, how they dress, um, interactions, you know, they have to do timesheets. 
things like that will definitely benefit whether they decide to do what the shop was specialized or not. Mm-hmm. So. so you've mentioned a couple of times now about industry people coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of those industry people? Okay. Because right? again, I don't know enough nope. about robotics, so I'm sure. just asking questions. Sure. Yeah, on my advisory board, we got we got Lennox Tool, we got Dymatech, we got Stick, um, the Republican, believe it or not, you know, they have a lot of equipment there that needs maintenance and needs programming. Um, we have Triton Alloys, which is a big 3D printing company. We've had students in co-op. We had CBS uh, Connecticut Business Machines or Connecticut Business Systems. Excuse me. Um, AKA our copiers. Our copiers. <laughs> so we had a student actually doing co-op with them. And I remember mm-hmm. making a call for maintenance and there he was with another technician learning how mm-hmm. to, because I mean, robotics is computers, motors, and sensors. Um, a factory's computer, motors, and sensors. Uh, uh, laser printers, motors, computers, sensors. You know, so right. so it really applies to almost all troubleshooting Um but uh, I think that's, uh, I'm trying to think who else. Uh, there's a few others that that's uh, going past me. But um, what's nice about having industry come in is, you know, the, I can get the feedback. Are we doing the right mm-hmm. thing? Or what should we focus on? Or what should we not focus on? Um, so, so yeah, that's, mm-hmm. that's invaluable for a shop. And I even have to imagine for the students that have, like, professionals coming in being like, oh, this, that could be me. One yes. Day. And maybe that spurs on into them to dig deeper into robotics and go through stick and absolutely, get absolutely. A job at like Linux tool, like you were saying that one student did. I for the I did something last year for the first time. I actually had my advisory meeting during open house, mm-hmm. so then the students were already here demonstrating. So all the industry they the individuals that could stay actually rotated through the shop, and the seat and the students demonstrated. So that was really cool. That is awesome. So one of the things that you did mention before was competitions. Um, when I think of robot competitions, I think of the robots who go the fighting, the, the fighting, fighting robots. Absolutely. <laughs> I used to watch that the all bots, the time. Yeah. Battlebots. Yeah. Yes. So is that the kind of robotics, or is it no like we, competitions? Or uh, I'm going to back up. I'll answer your question. I want to tell you. I'll never forget. There's a competition called Skills USA. Mm-hmm. And we do district competition in February. I think it's uh, near the end of February. And then um, we compete against all the Western part from, um, you know, the 91 uh, West. Okay. So there's like Mm. probably 12 schools we compete against, 12 vocational schools. And it's a paper test. And if you get a gold medal, then you get the, or silver, you get to go on to state competition. Now you're competing with every school mm-hmm. in, in, in that, that got gold and silver in their districts. So I, I remember my second year uh, in robotics, we sent a student to skills. He came back and said, that was really hard. No medal, nothing, zero. He goes, that was really hard. And next year we send four students and then eight and 16. And then before we know it, we're sending 33 students getting 26 medals. Um, and that awesome. was really cool. And, for the last two years, our students have gotten gold medal at states. They've gone on to Kentucky to compete. Um, and it's not every student, but it was mm-hmm. it's this one competition called Mechatronics. And so, and I, and I said to the students, I said, do you understand 
that you're competing against all the Massachusetts schools and you won mm-hmm. all the Volk schools. You beat schools that have parents that go to MIT or maybe professors here. Or there. I right. mean, you guys beat Putnam. And, and, and you can tell, like, they get on the podium and they don't even know what Putnam is. You know, Springfield? Right. Really? Serious? Um, so that's really neat to see that. Like, that to me is... Mm-hmm as a teacher to see that success for the students and they got to put the work in. Right. right. I mean, we're just guiding them, you know? Um, and they got, they got to be thirsty, you know, really, mm-hmm. they got to be thirsty and they got to, they got to execute. And the students have stepped up. We have amazing students and they, they do. We identify usually ninth and 10th, mm-hmm. the ones that want to go. And it's a selling point for the shop. Mm-hmm. I mean, last year the school got, uh, 48 medals at districts and robotics got 26 of the 48. Wow. Just one shop alone. One shop so, had half the medals. Right. So, cause the, the nice thing about it is, and in fairness, some of the shops can only compete like in one or two events. Mm-hmm. Now robotics is pretty broad. It's really engineering, mm-hmm. right? So we got a humanoid robot. We got mobile robotics, search and rescue, which we have a robot go into a building mm-hmm. to deliver first aid or defuse a ordinance. Say bomb. <laughs> um, we have a robotic arm, which is robotics and automation, and mobile robotics. So, and three D mm-hmm. printing. So, mm-hmm. really, there's there's a huge field in engineering. It's not just pigeon toed to, mm-hmm. you know, mobile robotics, right? That right. people think we, you know, oh, you, you guys play with Lego robots. Yeah, in ninth grade we do. Can't get a job <laughs> earning money playing with Lego robots. So yeah, so the kids they get a big thrill. Mm-hmm. You know, we get back on the bus and. All the kids have these medals, and they're going to states, and then they have to study. And now the rubber hits the road. We've had to buy special equipment for mm-hmm. the kids. We have exact equipment that the competitions done on, and they they just go. Kids are staying after school. Kids are they're mm-hmm. just they're hungry. It's awesome to see that. It it, it really drives it drives the shop. So shifting gears because I don't want to take up a lot of your time today because we could probably talk for a while. Um, We've been in contact a lot about unified classroom. You went through the train district training yes. in October. And I think when I approached you about this interview, you were like, I am 100% into unified. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us why? Okay. Um, I like to be able to utilize lessons year to year, at least mm-hmm. as a starting point. Mm-hmm. Um, to recreate the wheel every year is just, it's, it's time consuming and it's, it's unnecessary with the technology we have now. Um, before unified, I was, I was mishmashing. I was using OneNote for, for open responses and timesheets and discovery ed for agenda and OneDrive for their file. And now with unified, it's, it's, it's unified. It's all, mm-hmm. all in one. And when I first saw that, I go, wait a minute, I could do everything here. And so I'm actually, I've got the class pages, which tell the students what they're going to do each day. Um, in the discussion, the kids do their timesheets. So they'll add a post, tell me what they did, what they didn't do, why they didn't do it, uh, what they understood, what they didn't understand, and what grade they deserve that day. They even rate themselves with employability. So then I see that I can look at that on any computer, right? It's mm-hmm. not just I have to be on my teacher computer. I could be home. I could be on mm-hmm. a computer in any room and I could do that. Um, and the students can do it also. Like if students say, Hey, I forgot to do my timesheet. Can I do it at home? So yeah, do it at home. Log in, do it at home. It works mm-hmm. out great. Um, another advantage of it to me is 
the students can look back at old lessons. Like if they want to make something up, the quarter's almost over. Hey, can I make up last week's work? Yeah, go look at it, make it up. So it, mm-hmm. it sa- saves me from opening a book or a folder and grabbing a worksheet. It's all there. I've gone 100% paperless. And it's um, even the, I, I experimented with having to do a quiz. And it does take time setting it up. But once you got it set up, you got a, you got the quiz, right? Mm-hmm. You got the items. And it self-graded, put it all in the in the grade book, and it was awesome. Yeah, it's and it's user friendly. That's to me the big thing. Like um, as I mentioned to you earlier, like for me to be able to open up software, I got to be able to use it right away. Just click around mm-hmm. and be able to use it ninety percent or eighty percent. And this this did it for me. I mean, I had to call you a few times for <laughs> questions, <clears throat> but uh, for the most part, I mean, it's 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 awesome. Yeah, it's been great, and the kids. A big litmus test for me is how the kids respond to it because I've mm-hmm. I used um, OneNote and the kids were like they were having problems and um, editing and inserting mm-hmm. and then no one gave me a hard time about Unified Classroom. They were like, okay, once they got used to it, I had to, I had right. to walk them through it. Uh, go to the discussion, do a new post, type in what you got to do, post it. I'll see it or attach this file or you know share mm-hmm. it. Um, so. With that, I, yeah, I'm 100% using it, and, and you, you know what? A, what a change from uh, 12 years ago, where everything was paper, and you know we got these laser printers, and I, I mean I very rarely use them, other than just having to necessarily print some stuff. But really, for other assignments, it's all online. And the linking the video, see, we used to have trouble with YouTube, right? Because mm-hmm. YouTube has a lot of great lessons, right? And I used to have to download it, take that file the entire contents of the file, then upload it to Discovery Ed or some of these other, mm-hmm. we're now unified, I can link it mm-hmm. and it works. And then it saves space, right? It saves loading time, so. And saves you time because that's like downloading a video could take two minutes depending on how right. fast the internet is and then you have to upload it and that could take two, three minutes. That's and right. Five minutes later, you've had lunch and that's right. you're out trying to get out the door. That's right. What do you have coming up? We are in mid-January now. Like, do you have competitions coming up that the students are doing? Or Yeah, we have. Um, in February, we'll have the district competition. So right now, we're, we're prepping students. Mm-hmm. We're having, like, 10th grade students rotate through some of the equipment. Because we want them to, to compete in what they like to do. They don't know yet, right? Mm-hmm. So I'll say, use the robotic arm. How's that? That was okay. Use the mobile robot. How's that? That was awesome. Okay, now we're going to go a little further. It's C programming, and then you know, okay, how's this programming language for you? And and some people just go, wow, this is really hard. I don't, I can't do it. And then we move on to something else. Um, so we're trying to find that. So between now and the competition, we're trying to hone in on the students what they want to do and what we think they'd be good at doing. Um, and like I said, if you can integrate it in with the shop, it becomes part of the curriculum. So really, we tell the kids. You know, if you excel, if you do extra work, then you're going to compete and you're going to be recognized and you're going to have medals and that's going to look great on your resume. And and then uh, it was neat because I had ninth graders come into the shop going, I want to do skills mm-hmm. right off the bat, like right out of the gate. You know? And that's the first that's happened. So, yeah, we're, we're doing that. We got new equipment coming in. So we're learning mm-hmm. some of the new equipment. So we get we basically hand the owner's manual to the student and say, you tell me how this works and tell me what we got to do. So, I mean, we've got a lot of stuff here with two instructors and 40 something, you know, students at a time. 
So it's like we really need the students to step up and, and take the initiative of their own education, and they do. They do. I'd say that the majority of them really, you know, sometimes some of them take a little longer than others, mm-hmm. but uh, but they will. They'll 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 take ownership and they'll they'll step up. So that's what we, that's what we got going, and then um, then we get ready in April for the district competition, and then June for this, you know, uh, for the national. So. If you had a chance to stand in front of all the new hires, they go through different trainings, um, either at the beginning of the school year or they're in one right now, and you had a chance to offer advice to them, any advice, okay. whether it's technology okay. or not, what advice would that be? Okay. Um, my advice would be find your groove as a teacher. Find your don't, – don't try to adhere to a certain style. You'll find your style. Treat these – the kids, you treat them with respect, they treat you with respect. And it's a great experience. It's an experience I would highly recommend. I mean, the first few years are tough because you are finding that groove. There's a lot of demand for teachers with between parent calls, grading, um, seeds, all this stuff. But you can navigate it. it. It's doable. You just have to You get used to doing it. And then, you know, trust me, after, after a few years, it becomes a lot easier. And uh, you don't believe it at the time, your first year, but then you do. And then Springfield's been fantastic for support. They've supported us with this technology. I mean, all the stuff we have um, on our site, all the stuff we can load, um, and all the support. Laptops, we need laptops, we get them. And, and, it's, and it's a great district to, to support the teachers to do what we got to do to do our job, you know. And you can have a wide variety of student, you know. I mean, I, I think for me, I tried to get 100% of the kids to be, you know, 100% and and to accept that you're going to have a distribution. You're going to have some kids excel. Some kids are going to have a harder time. And, and you just got to meet the kids where they're at, you know. And, and I like the saying, I remember my mentor would tell me, you know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. But it's our job to make them thirsty, you know. So it's just getting the kids interested in why what they're learning and why they're learning it and then the rest becomes easy well thank you for your time um it's been great coming here and i always enjoy seeing what everybody's doing awesome good talking to you what a fantastic interview with mark jordan over at putnam I just love what the possibilities are with robotics. Not even the competition part. I mean, that part definitely stokes my fire about trying to be the best and, you know, all the things that come along with competition, of course. But just how the program has really grown in the last number of years. So the fact where there's now students who are taking jobs or even starting to go through school and realizing that, hey, maybe this isn't the right thing for me, but it leads to something else. The work ethic you need to do robotics and to be able to compete is one that we wish all of our students have, and it's one that we are constantly trying to promote. So that same work ethic in robotics can be then transferred to the same work ethic those students have in whatever subject they are doing. And so, super excited. Hopefully we'll catch up with him next year and see how this year's round of competitions went. Maybe a quick jump in interview or maybe even a quick video promoting some of the 
great things that they've done. So you keep an eye out for that next year, either on stream or if it's podcast related, it will be on here. So again, we just want to thank you for taking time out of your day to not only hear about the great things that are happening in the district, but also this great interview with Mark. And hopefully you've listened to other interviews too, and you have been inspired as a classroom teacher in Springfield or wherever you are listening. Hopefully you've been inspired. As we wrap up, I just want to remind you again, you can find me out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under Bearded Tech Ed Guy. I am always constantly posting updates and things that are new and great and awesome. And I hope that you do follow me there. And I hope that you are following this podcast and you give us a great review on whatever site you choose to listen to us on. And again, we just want to thank you for your time. I'm Mike Thomas, and this is the SPS Digital Learning Hour.